You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We are here to remind you that you're grown and you got this. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. You know, today's topic is a hard one and not because it's unlike any other abuse topics we cover in the podcast, but because so many of us are victims of financial or economic abuse and either don't know it or are too ashamed to talk about it. Statistics tell us that approximately 98% of victims of other forms of abuse are also experiencing financial abuse. But the reality of it is it impacts even those families and individuals who are not victims of emotional, sexual, physical abuse. But yet financial abuse is a real thing and is very prevalent in many families. How do we protect ourselves? How do we mitigate the damage caused by financial abuse? And how do we recover going forward? So excited to share our guest today. And this is Tiffany Grant, the creator and host of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. A self-proclaimed money nerd, Tiffany uses her personal experience and education. Yep, she has an MBA and is an accredited financial counselor to help others save more, eliminate debt, invest smarter, and create wealth. So no matter where you are in your divorce or your financial journey, the right strategy can help you reach your goals and create more freedom in life. So Tiffany, we are so glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and talking about this so important topic. Um, Because like you said, a lot of people don't even realize that they're going through it. And I was one of them. (laughs) So I can't wait for this conversation. Yeah. You know, here's a little, you know, out the gate, let's just talk about what it is, right? You know, what is financial abuse, which is also kind of commonly referred to as economic abuse? Yeah. So financial abuse um, is a type of domestic abuse. It can happen um, in so many different ways, which I can get into a few of the ways that I've seen it manifest and also seen it in others. Uh, But it's very, it can happen not only in relationships, but also elder, elderly. Yes. Um, it can happen with kids as well. Uh, you know, and a lot of people kind of wow. overlook both of those demographics. But yeah, financial abuse can manifest this way in many different ways. And I'll just get into a few of them just to get our conversation started. So one of them is maybe forbidding the victim to work. So maybe they're like, okay, you can't work. Um, I control all the money or you need to come to me for an allowance or you need to come to me if you need to do anything. Um, That's a sign of financial abuse. Uh, Maybe sabotaging your work or employment opportunities. So like in my situation, um, you know, I'm self-employed and with my situation, they were always like, oh, you know, money talk with Tiff doesn't make any money. You know, it's not really a business. It's a hobby, you know, okay. and that type of thing. Yes. Um, and so not just sabotaging it from a point of view of looking at the customer, like going after the customers or their employer, yes. but also sabotaging it in your mind. So like thinking, making you think that it's not worth your time or, yes. you know, things like that. 
Then um, not allowing access to bank accounts. So like if there's a situation where they are controlling the money, then they're like, well, you don't have access to this bank account. I'm the only one that has access to it. And you need to come through me if you want to have any, you know, anything to do with it, which, like I said, can also be with elderly as well ruining the victim's credit. So that's one thing that has also happened to me. So, uh, you know, maybe you, you're the one with the good credit. And so they're like, oh, let's put everything in your name. Uh, they don't have anything in their name, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of a red flag as well. Uh, maybe trying to get you to manipulate federal benefits, which I have also seen before. Okay. Uh, so for instance, they're like, oh, well, go ahead and apply for food stamps and I'll get food stamps here, but you need to make sure that you do this because this is how we're going to, like, you know, just trying to manipulate the you system. into breaking laws, you know, and stuff yes. like that. Stealing money is another one. So maybe, you know, maybe you do have access to your own money and they're like slowly taking money out of your account that has happened to me as well. Um, and so those are just some examples and situations where financial abuse can show itself. So here's the thing. It's really prevalent. And thank you for you know, giving examples. I want to flesh out for listeners how easy this can happen. So people get very excited, new relationships or new marriage. And there's this sense of, and I'm going to put this in quotes, status by saying, my spouse doesn't want me to work. I don't have to work. That may be true, but that might also be a sign to be aware of. Because as we know, taking you out of the employment system has a longer term effect than most women think about. So it becomes very, very dangerous to not pay attention to certain signs. So for example, you mentioned, okay, so now I'm not working. Now I've got someone who is completely controlling all of our finances. I'm having to ask or explain things um, when I go shopping. And, and it starts with little things. It's not a in your face. It's it's an overnight um, kind of a gradual buildup. And then before you um, before you know it, you really are in a situation where your credit is ruined. You have debt in your own name. There is, um, you know, all of these uh, creditors who are coming after you and you're having to constantly explain. And then I'll add another one, which deals with having to address and deal with the IRS because for whatever reason, maybe the tax returns are in your name, you signed off on it, but didn't review them. These things happen and they happen so easily in many families. So when you think about these type of um, you know, occurrences because it's abuse, right? We have to call things what they are. How do you keep an eye on what I'll call the signs, right? So maybe my spouse says, no, you don't have to work. And maybe it isn't a red flag, but when does it become a red flag? 
I think you hit on it um, pretty well. So when it becomes a situation where you have to explain everything or, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, you start having more and more restrictions. I feel like that is a huge red flag that this is turning into financial abuse. Uh, My belief is that you know, couples, if they have money, they're sharing money, especially, then they need to have conversations about, you know, budget, you know, what we're spending our money on. Like these should be conversations that should be out in the open. And, you know, me being someone that watches a lot of investigation discovery, um, (laughs) (laughs) I've seen episodes where not only are the conversations not happening, it's like the wife doesn't even know what the husband does for a living. Yes. And so that could be another big thing too. Like you should definitely know what your spouse is doing, you know, whether it's male or female, you should know what they're doing um, for work. So that could be another example of, you know, how this can kind of play. And so there's a lot of things and usually we're notorious for ignoring the red flags, but I think when it starts becoming too restrictive or um, like, for instance, in my situation, everything was in my name credit wise. And so he would hold it over my head um, to make me not want to leave. So he's like, I thought you cared about your credit, you know, that type of thing. Yes. Um, And since I am a you know, financial counselor that was being held over my head, like, oh, I thought you were a financial counselor. You should know better. And you know, that type of thing. So I think when it starts getting to that point um, where it's, you can kind of feel it's not a mutually beneficial situation and starting to be more lopsided. I think that's when, you know, you should definitely, but really even before it gets there, um, because at that point you could be too far, too far in. That's so true. You know, there's value to having conversations and asking questions and paying attention to the responses, but even more following your instincts. We know when something just doesn't feel right. And I think oftentimes we ignore that because it's, I don't want to upset the apple cart, or maybe I'm being crazy, or maybe I'm, you know, being too petty about this, but something is telling you, hey, hey, pay attention. And so these are the kinds of things where, yeah, it might be fine to put something in your name one time, because maybe there is a great benefit to your family to have it in your name versus your spouse's name. But if every time you look up, it's always in your name, or you can never sign off on anything without having the opportunity to really read it or ask questions about, wait, why are we doing this? Then this is the opportunity to kind of take a step back and really be mindful of going forward. Tiffany, you mentioned um, credit. Let's talk about credit for a minute because I think it's really important, especially when we're thinking about in the context of a divorce, how important knowing what your credit history looks like and what it is, because we know once you get divorced, if you are now trying to buy a home or get a credit card and there is either limited or damaged credit, right? That can be impactful. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of monitoring your credit and really protecting it in some way. 
Yeah. Um, and let me just preface this by saying, if you are in danger, like if, you know, things are really serious, your life, your every your mental stuff is in danger, then credit is like a drop in the bucket, honestly, sure. yes. uh, because you can always rebuild your credit. It'll be very hard to rebuild your mental. And it's definitely hard if you're not here anymore, um, you know, sure. if something really happens to you. So um, just keep that in mind as we have this conversation. Like if this is a situation where you are in danger in any way, don't worry about your credit. You right. can always get that <laughs> yes. back. Yes. No, safety first, to... always. No. So exactly. thank you. Yes. Always, always. <laughs> exactly. Um, so with that being said, though, um, it is very important to have your credit and, you know, at least know what's going on with it. Because another version of financial abuse, too, is that, you know, maybe they can go out and get a loan in your name um, or get uh, put a lien on the house for something, you know, or what have you. And all of the stuff you need to know about uh, whether they tell you about it or not. So uh, definitely keep an eye on your credit if you do feel like you're, well, just in general, really. Right. Uh, but if you, especially if you feel like you're going through financial abuse, uh, because like, like you said, if you get a divorce and things hit the fan, you're going, you're, might need credit to maybe get a car or maybe get a house yes. or anything like that. And it's super important. Um, I know in my situation, that's kind of what helped me okay. um, is that I know, like, for instance, when it started coming towards the end of the road, I was like, you know what? I know how to rebuild credit. Like I know the steps that I need to take because I help people with this all day, every day. And right. so if my credit does go down, guess what? It is what it is. I would rather be safe and healthy yes. than to worry about my credit score. And even when I had creditors calling me, you know, after we did separate and stuff, I just told the lady, I said, look, my health and well-being is more important than this loan that you have. So there's so, that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you know, I completely understand, you know, yes. if there's any information you can give me. So I gave her some additional information and stuff. But, you know, at that point, I was just stuck in between a rock and a hard place. So it's really important to just make sure you get ahead of these things. Like you said, don't don't just take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that you're not the only one carrying all the debt. Um, right. You know, if you have to co-sign on some things or maybe they take on something, you know, maybe they take on a credit card, you take on a credit card. So that way it's, you know, a little more um, even. But I think that you want to make sure that you're, pay you're checking your credit reports, which you can do now since COVID, they made it weekly. Okay. Um, and you can do that on annualcreditreport.com. That's the only government website. Uh, so don't go to like free credit report or whatever. Um, right. It's called annualcreditreport.com. And you can pull your reports from all three bureaus every week. Wow. It used to be every year yes. uh, prior to COVID, but now it's every week since COVID. So definitely check those out. Make sure you're seeing what's on there, making sure that it's all legit. That's It's stuff that you did, right. um, all of that stuff is important. So I would say definitely start there if you are, um, you know, thinking about your credit or, you know, in a situation where you're like, oh, I need to leave. Start pulling those credit reports to see where you even stand. Um, and if there's some things, because, you know, maybe if you're not in a situation where it's, um, 
you know, it's still safe. It's just financial abuse going on. Right. Maybe you can just wait a little bit, you know, build some things up or sure. start saving some money or, you know, something to kind of put yourself in a better position when you do get out there. Uh, but anyway, I'm going on a tangent. No, I, this is ho- this is very helpful because I think it's really important to understand a couple of things, right, that you've shared. First, safety is always priority. So if you are in an unsafe situation, we can, as you've shared with us, rebuild your credit, right? This is not a one and done. What is a one and done is your life. So let's worry about in terms of priority, your physical, emotional um, safety and that of your children first. Now, once we've got that kind of in place and we are in a safe situation, or if those are not um, present in your relationship, but we're now addressing the idea of financial abuse or concerns, then a great place to start then is by pulling your credit report. And I think as you've you know shared with us, it gives us a window into what's really going on. So you pull the credit report And you see five different loans, credit cards that you have no idea are in your name. Now we can start asking questions and whether it's asking of your significant other or picking up the phone and calling the agency that's listed because they will say to you, um, yes, this was taken out and and the report is pretty detailed, right? So it'll tell you, um, you know, the date, it'll tell you the line of credit, it'll, and the fact that we can now pull weekly is huge because that's real time changes, unlike in prior years where it was annual. And so it was maybe a little bit harder to kind of keep track of. So Starting from a starting point of let's pull your credit report and see what's there, because that's going to help us get a roadmap and really figuring out kind of what's going on. So I think that that in and of itself is really important to understand. You also then, you know, shared about making sure that you can then, as you're preparing to transition, take whatever necessary steps you can to start rebuilding. So I want to talk about that a little bit more um, and this idea of recovery and taking small steps. So here we are, we know that we need to rebuild our credit report or not just the report, our credit history. Tell me, how do you, you know, start on that journey, right? What are things that you can do right now if you're concerned about your own credit history or if you're concerned that you don't have enough credit? So if you suspect that you may be going through financial abuse, the first thing you want to do is start separating stuff um, okay? because otherwise it's going to be really hard, um, you know, in order to make any changes that you need to do. Like, you know, let's say, for instance, there's something on your credit report that you know about is yours and you need to, you know, pay it off or do something about it. It's going to be hard to do that without if you're in a situation where all the money and stuff is being controlled, it's going to be hard to do that um, and take those steps. So I would say the first thing is to make sure you start separating things out uh, just so that way you can start preparing your little runway if you need it. Um, So anyway, with that being said, after you pull your credit report, 
you want to look at what's on there. So usually you'll see collections um, or you'll see, you know, maybe your revolving credit accounts, which are like credit cards. Right. Um, you might see house, you know, whatever. Uh, but what you what's really important is the collections account, because those are things that are past due things that have probably gone to uh, bill collectors. Uh, and so you want to kind of tackle those first because those have a big bearing on your credit score and your credit, you know, feasibility. And right. so you want to make sure that you prioritize those things. And those are called negative accounts. And when you're looking at it, one thing that I do with strategy is that I will call the companies. Like a lot of people are scared to call or they're like, oh, I don't want to call, you know, that type of thing. But I will call and I will just say, you know, hey, I saw this on my credit report. What is this? Yeah. You know, what is this thing? And what has happened to me in the past actually is I called and they didn't even have the account anymore. See? And so they're like, we don't even see this in our system. You sure you're, it's on your credit report? I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at it. They're like, <laughs> right. well, you need to just go ahead and file a dispute. Um, yeah. You know, file a dispute that we no longer have the account. And I did. And I, you know, at that time, I think it was like maybe $3,000 worth, which I was ready to pay, you know, sure. over the phone. But when she said that and I filed the dispute, it was off my credit report in like 30 days or so. Done. And so, yeah, done. Just like that. I think I only had to pay them like $30. See? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so that's one thing that I tell people to start with. If you do have any negative accounts or collection accounts, go ahead and just call and just do an inquiry. Now, yep. don't say that. Now, this is very important. Don't say that you are going to pay it, you know, if it is legit, <laughs> uh, because what that does, it resets your seven years. So, okay. Um, your stuff on your credit report it stays on there for seven years. And so like, let's say for instance, you're at year five or six and yeah. you don't have anything big coming up that you have to pay for or what have you, you know, get credit. Then you might as well just leave it alone. Um, you might as oh, well okay. not worry about it because it, it's going to drop off anyway. Uh, so that's one of my tips too. Now, if you say that you are going to pay it, that resets the clock. Okay. And so that'll be another seven years now. And okay. so- it's important to be careful with your words, you know, just say I'm calling because this is, I saw this on my credit report. I'm trying to figure out what it is okay. and just go from there. Now, if the debt is legit and it is something that, you know, you do want to get off, you know, you do want to get off your credit. Yes. Then it, you can also make deals with the um, bill collectors and stuff. Okay. But the caveat with that, you want to make sure like, because, okay, let me just back up. Hold on. Um, so when bill goes to a third party, okay. usually the third party has paid pennies on the dollar to get that debt to collect it from you. And so they don't pay the amount that the, like the whole amount that the debt That's is worth. Owed. Right. They pay mm -hmm. less. And so you can use that to your advantage. So like, let's say for instance, there's a debt, let's say it's a hundred dollars just for ease. It's a hundred dollars. Okay. And maybe they only paid $25 for it. They'll be happy if you say, oh, I only have $50, I you see. know, yes, they're still that's right. making a little bit on it. Right. And so you can kind of negotiate with the bill collection companies um, as far as like settling. Now, the caveat to that is you don't want to settle if they're going to report it as a settled balance. Um, so let me clarify that. So if they're going to say, if they're going to report to the credit agencies that you paid less than what was owed, then 
that's no bueno, right? Because okay. then that still okay. looks bad to future creditors. You want them to say it's paid in full, period. That's it, I see. paid in full. Okay. And so what I do when I'm negotiating, I'm like, okay, if I um, you know, can pay this amount today, then can you give me in writing where it's going to be paid in full and make sure that when you report to the credit bureaus that it's paid in full? And usually they'll do that. So always request in writing, you know, the deal that was made and how they're going to report it. And then you're good to go. So those would be my tips to kind of get started. I can go off on a whole tangent. No, I love it. And I am all ears, right? I Because this is really helpful and very important because oftentimes... We get overwhelmed by the process and then frozen in space. And so first step, we're looking at our report. We're looking at our history to make sure that what's on there really belongs to us. And then as we take the steps necessary for recovery, picking up the phone and doing your own kind of investigation Mm -hmm. so that we know one, yes, this is attached to me in some way Two, that the reporting agency either still has it because if not, as we've learned, you know, there's a potential to have that kind of drop off if it's disputed. And then three, what needs to occur if we're going to negotiate, say, for a lower balance to get it off and and to get us on the road to recovery. I just want to add in terms of kind of divorce process. And when we're thinking about addressing some of the debt that we might find on, um, you know, our reports and in our credit history, if you find that there are loans or um, credit cards that you didn't take out but you're not obligated for, it's really important to speak with your lawyer about those and get as much information as you can. So again, calling the agency, calling the holder of the loan and finding out when was this taken out? Do you have a copy of the application? Whatever information you can, because as a part of the divorce process, you can and should have this brought forth as something to have the other person either responsible for, or we negotiate a lower amount. Now, let me just throw in just very quickly. There may be times where your mental health alone is more important than having your soon to be ex or your ex deal with trying to pay it. So I'm not saying take on all of this debt by any means but you want to address it. You want to get it figured out. However, if it means that you can walk away and get out of this situation and you take some of this, we've learned from Tiffany, you can negotiate directly with the bank or with the agency or the company. And so it might be actually better for you to do that. But before you start doing that and agreeing to do that, we should lay out everything that is in your name that is, you know, was not either authorized or that you didn't expect to assume 100% responsibility for. So I wanted to just kind of add those pieces to what you, Tiffany, have shared in terms of of credit and the importance of moving on the road to recovery um, in credit building. I want to turn the conversation slightly and talk about com- some of the other areas um, that you referenced, because sometimes it's not about debt. Right. Sometimes um, it is about things like employment sabotage, 
especially if you are the primary breadwinner and knowing that this other individual is doing what they can to kind of keep you in this space. And employment sabotage can look like a couple of different things. So, you know, Tiffany, um, you shared that you're self-employed and it had a lot to do with manipulation, right? And getting in your head. On the flip side, there's when you are employed with an outside employer and this other person is doing what they can to impact that. So tell us about how you can address either one or the other if you find yourself um, you know, in the situation of employment sabotage as we talk about the road to recovery. Yes. Um, and so let me preface my backgrounds in HR. So I've seen a few things, okay. you know, just kind of out there in the wild. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, and one of the things I've seen before with an employee was their spouse uh, or girlfriend, whatever, you know, they were, they would come up to the job and act crazy, like yep. act wild, um, just to, you know, maybe yes. get them fired or what have you. Um, I've seen situations where they would constantly call the job um, or I've even actually in my situation as well, we had a business together and okay. they were telling, you know, after we did separate, they were telling the drive, like every, all of our employees and stuff. Oh, you know, Tiffany stole all the money, you know, this, that, yes. and the other. Yes. And so it can also look like that as well. And it's a very difficult situation because it's embarrassing, right? Sure. So it's embarrassing for you. And so it's hard to open up about it and um, be honest about it. But with me, for instance, because I do teach at a, a local university and I was just honest with my my manager. I said, look, I'm going through this situation. Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't spill over here, yes. but just making sure that he was aware of what I was going through a yep. little bit. So that way, you know, when things do happen, like for instance, in my situation, the person had made a social media profile and had um, contacted like my clients Jeez. or, you know, the university that I work for yes. and have made a whole profile, you know, saying that I was doing drugs and, you know, all types the of links stuff. that people go through. Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, since I already gave the heads up and everything, you yes. know, people just dismissed it as, oh, this is just the crazy, you know, X or yep. what have you. But um, and that's why it's important to kind of talk about these situations, even though it's embarrassing, even though it's, um, you know, something that you, you really don't want to share because, you know, it's very personal, uh, but it's important to share it because then if things do happen to where they're trying to sabotage your work or they're trying to sabotage, you know, whatever you have going on, people are aware of it. Yep. And so it's not held against you as heavily. Um, like for instance, in that situation, I said with the employee, he had already came to me and told me yep. that, you know, th this girl might reach out. He even gave me a picture of what she looks like if yes. she comes up, you know, to the workplace. So that way I can be on an alert and I can call the police if need be, you know, that type of thing. To and do so, all the things. Yeah. So it's it's important to make sure that people are aware of what's going on if this is a situation, um, just so you won't lose your job 
because of it. You know, um, that's right. If he if he didn't say anything, you know, and they're coming up there acting irate or they're constantly calling and playing games on the phone or what have you, yes. then that could be a grounds for termination. <laughs> like this, you know, affecting business, you know, that type of thing. So. You know, it's just important to make sure people know what's going on and also to just kind of put safeguards in place for yourself so that way it doesn't come to a situation where you are endangering your livelihood. So I would say that the biggest driver for a lot of these behaviors is the reliance that you're not going to say anything, right? So people continue to act in this way because they are hoping and relying on the fact that you're going to be ashamed and embarrassed that you won't want to say anything. And so they continue to operate in that way. You absolutely have to tell someone. So whether that's your boss whether that's the lawyer that's helping you through the divorce process, because people can take the necessary steps to help you in the divorce context, whether it's some sort of injunction, whether it's an order of protection, whether it's a restraining order. There are so many vehicles by which one can use if you kind of let someone know what's going on. The same with your HR department. Give them a heads up so that they know, or your direct report, it is embarrassing, no question about it. However, I think reaching out and saying, listen, I need help, here's the situation, that really, I think, sends a message to the people that you're working with that, look, I'm, you know, looking for a a life-saving line here. Can you you help me out? But before... Yeah, really no. But before we move on from that and reaching out to people, um, what kind of jump started me on that process was I was actually interviewing a lady for my podcast. So this is a complete stranger, mind you. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. And I was just so distraught that day because something had just transpired, you know, okay. at the house before, you know, I got on. And so I was like, look, I can't record today. You know, this is just, it's just a lot going on. Da, yeah. da, da. And she could hear it in my voice. She was like, well, you know, I have time, like what's going on, you know, that type of thing. And so I started telling her some of the stuff and she was like, you know what, Tiffany, she was like, I've gone through the same thing. She was like, the first thing you want to do is start telling your friends. And she was like, um, (laughs) because I was like, do I have to? Right, (laughs) right. I was like, like, nobody knows. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And she was like, no, you definitely should. Because what she was saying in her situation is she didn't tell anybody. And then the abuser was able to create their own scenario of things that happened. And so she said, everybody turned against her because it was, you know, his scenario over, you know, anything. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just text them. And she was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) It has to be in person. And so she encouraged me to, you know, go to lunch with some of my friends and just tell them about some of the stuff that was going on and what that did for me. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, yeah, tell your, you know, manager and things like that, but you might have to get the confidence to get there. Sure. So for me, it was talking to my friends first, you know, talking to the stranger first, really. Right. Right. She 
encouraging me to talk to my friends and then I talked to them and then um, talking to my lawyer. And when I was telling my lawyer about it, they said, Tiffany, do not pass go. You need to go to the courthouse and get a protection order. Like Full stop. Yeah. And I was just like, I never thought about that. Like I never thought about getting protection orders or any, I didn't know it was that serious because when you're in the situation, it's hard for you to understand or realize what's going on until you kind of snap out of it. And so for me, the snap out of it moment was when the lawyer was like, you need to go get a like a ex parte like ASAP. Yep. And so I went to the courthouse and having to write down everything that had just transpired like that week. I was just like, wow, like, am I in uh, a movie? <laughs> I'm like what? Yeah. I'm like, yes, what, it is. What is going on? And so um, I just wanted to bring that up. Like you might have to start with like friends, you know, people you trust, things like that to build up the confidence to go to, you know, maybe your manager or a lawyer or things like that. And yeah, because that that was very helpful for me. Well, listen, and I think that's very helpful because you have to do what works for you in terms of comfort, but you have to talk about, you have to tell somebody because this thing cannot live in the darkness. And I say thing, because what happens is that it then feeds off of, so whether it's a change of narrative, whether it's you are so consumed by what's happening that you can't then be productive. And so oftentimes then it's, well, fine, just I'll quit or I'll just not, or I'll just um, agree to whatever this individual wants. So it's really, really, really important to have these conversations. And I will say, your friends probably already know. And I'll say whether they know the big issues or they sense something is off. How many times have you gone out to dinner with a girlfriend and just by way of conversation, you're like, "Mm, that's kind of weird, but let me not say anything. Or, you know, you're talking to them about, oh, you know, um, hey, can we, you know, split this? But um, can you write out like what exactly was for or they can't ever charge anything on their credit card because it's a bigger issue. And sometimes it's laughed off like, girl, but. But those are the signs. Those are the signs. And so many times our girlfriends actually know something's going on. They just can't pinpoint it. So by you sharing can be very helpful. So thank you for that share, Tiffany. As we kind of wind down, I want to talk a little bit about how setting like a budget and having some good just kind of financial foundations in many ways about whether it's savings or whether it's having an awareness of money and how it works, how those things can really help regardless of whether you find yourself um, in the midst of financial abuse or on the road to recovery. So can you share with us just a couple of of ways that, um, you know, we can really kind of set ourselves up financially um, as we transition to our, our best lives yet? Yes, yes. So, you know, back to your first point, how a budget can be used for awareness, right? Um, Because I'm an avid budgeter. I've been an avid budgeter for years. And so when I got married, you know, it was no different. Like I I wanted to budget. I wanted to make sure everything was in line. 
And um, what made me aware of the situation was having a budget because I was like, okay, you know, we have this amount for this, this amount for that. And he would just randomly go to ATMs, pull out cash, you know, just all the time. And I'm like, okay. And, and when I would address it, he's like, oh, well, I just like to have, you know, money in my pocket. I just like to have cash in my pocket, you know? Right. And, and my thing is, I'm like, everybody takes cars. I was going to say, nobody's using cash like that anymore. Where are you going? <laughs> well, yeah. right. we got some questions, but okay. <laughs> um, so he would always say, yeah, I just want to have cash in my pocket. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool, but you need to make sure you account for what you're spending it for. So that way we know, you know, the budget that we created where that money's being allocated. And so that would never happen. And so that was, you know, one of the red flags for me because I had a budget. I've been a budgeter for years. I'm like, something's kind of off about this. If, you know, every time I look up or check the bank account, you're constantly getting cash out. You know, that means you don't, you don't want me to know something. Um, So anywho, uh, I just wanted to hit on that. But when you're looking at budgeting, I tell people, well, you know, you kind of have to get the mental aspect of it, right? Because when we think about budgets, we're like, oh, this is a restriction, kind of like dieting, you know, you're right. like, oh, this is just going to restrict me. I can't do what I want, you know, that type of thing. Yes. Uh, but actually going through a whole mental process of changing that to this is not a restriction. This is giving me permission. And so that's what I work oh, with, with my clients. Yes. I like that. So, and, and let me give you an example of how that played out in my actual life. Okay. Um, you know, this was before I got married and everything. Uh, I was budgeting and my shoes were literally coming apart. Like they were talking to me. Right. Okay. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't want to buy any shoes because I want to put, you know, all this money towards debt. You know, I was going through okay. my whole debt payoff thing. And yes. so I was like, I don't want to get any shoes. It's going to throw me off, whatever, whatever. Well, I was like, something told me, Tiffany, just look at your budget. And so I looked and I was like, oh, I have a clothing line item that I just never use, oh, but there's money there. Okay. And so it was in that moment where I was like, the budget isn't restricting me. It's actually giving me permission to do the things that I need to do and that I want to do. And so I was able to get the shoes without any detrimental effect to my whole, you know, debt plan because it was already there. Yeah. Yeah. And so so that's when it kind of clicked for me. And so I tell people when you're constructing your budget, put in there, like, you know, the little things that you want, like, you know, if it's travel, put that in there. If it's, um, you know, massages or getting Okay. Your nails done or what have you put that in there okay. so that way you can do those things it's like giving you the permission to, to do, do it um, versus restricting because if you like let's say for instance you want to get your nails done but you're like oh my gosh I can't get my nails done because I have this bill coming up you know xyz yeah then if you get your nails done you feel bad about getting your nails done yeah when really if you would have just put it in your budget you, you don't do feel bad that, you can right, do it anyway you can do that and have yes. all your bills paid so yes. you know that's kind of the the mental you know gymnastics you have to do around it uh, in order for you to stick to it and, you know, actually use it in the right way, in my opinion. So anyway, doing that. And then once you do that, kind of just lay out all of your income, lay out all of your expenses. Now, if you're in a situation where you don't have any income, like let's say we're in the financial abuse situation where um, they're controlling all the money, 
lay out all the expenses that you have. And then that way you can kind of reverse engineer it. Um, And that also helps for business owners as well. Um, Lay out all your expenses and then you can say, okay, this is how much I need to survive. Um, And then you can kind of reverse engineer it that way. So uh, that's what I highly recommend people do if they don't have income or the income is sporadic. Uh, Just list out your expenses and just see where you are. Um, then once you do that, it's really just a matter of tracking everything. So, you know, if this wasn't a financial abuse conversation, then usually I tell people before you even go to the whole budgeting process, just start tracking where you're spending currently. Okay. So don't even worry about doing things differently. Just track. Right. Yeah. And um, usually what that does is people start realizing that they're spending a lot of money on things that are not important to them. Um, and then yes. they automatically just start cutting back. You know, L- let me just say aware. right now, we're going to call it out. Right. You know that Amazon and Target is killing everybody's budgets. Right. And because it's so easy, everybody walks into Target and you're intending to, you know, spend forty dollars. And $200 later, you have a basket full of stuff that you don't need or didn't need because you didn't go in there with that. Amazon is so easy because we think of it, we click it, and then, but those things add up. So, yes, tracking is huge because it will hurt your feelings when you're like, oh, wait, what? What? I spent, what? Wait, what? Why do I have like five Amazon in one day? What am I doing? Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Sorry. I had to jump in there because I look, it, it, it can be hurtful. Am I too loud? Ooh, ooh it, it, it was hurtful. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yes. And I have tips around that. So really quickly, just a quick tip um, for online shopping, just remove your cards, like just take your cards off of all of the accounts See? that they're on. Um, because that's what the, I mean, they make it easy on purpose, right? Yes. Because yes. you don't have to maybe get up and get your pocketbook or get up and get your wallet yes. and put your card in and all that stuff. <clears throat> and so they make it very easy. And also another tip for online is I actually do a thing where I leave it in my cart for 24 hours before I hit buy. That's smart. And the reason is because usually it's a purchase where you're like, oh, you know, I got to get this now, you know, even if it's something that you didn't even need or want or to begin with. And especially on Amazon where they have like the lightning deals and stuff. I had to stay off of there uh, because I would have like all types (laughs) of stuff in my house. I'm like, I don't even need this or want this, this, but it was just, oh, I got to get this because it's at a discounted price. And so um, I leave stuff in my cart now for 24 hours. And usually I forget about it and I never go back, um, which okay. means that I never really needed it or In wanted it to place. begin with. Or if I go back, then I'm like, you might, I might look at it with a different lens. I'm like, okay, mm, do I really need this? Let yes. me just save it for later. You know, you they yes. have the button for save it for later. Um, or if it's something I'm like, okay, yeah, I really still need this. I'll go ahead and purchase it after the, the hold. So the bigger the purchase, the longer the hold for me. So okay. if it's like a car, for instance, I might wait three days to a week, you know, okay. yeah. And if it's something that I really want. Um, so just keep those tips in mind. And then in person, if you like going to stores, an, a tip would be to take the cards out of your wallet and also for instance, since I budget, I look at my budget. I don't look at my bank account. 
to see how much I have. And so that's another tip. And also another tip is to use cash. Um, That's one thing that- That's one. Yes. Uh, If you use cash, it's a whole different psychological effect that happens (laughs) um, than you just swiping your card Uh, because swiping, you can't see it. And so it's just easy to swoop. Okay, we're done. Versus- oh, I have to actually count out this $200. Like it just feels different. So those are some tips, you know, online versus in-person shopping that, uh, you know, you can use to kind of stave off that habit. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) Tiffany, you are giving us all the tips to get us all the way together, whether it's financial abuse or just good things for us to know. And I want listeners to know how to get in touch with you, how to get even more tips. So please tell us about your work and your services. Yes. So I run Money Talk with Tiff, which is a financial education platform. Um, It's a blog, a podcast, a social media presence. So you can find the blog at moneytalkwitht.com. You can find the podcast wherever you're listening to this one or any platform. Um, It's Money Talk with Tiff. And then on social media, it's at Money Talk with T everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I'm literally on all the platforms. So um, (laughs) it's a little uh, it's a little addiction, but um, I'm on all the social media platforms at Money Talk with T. So definitely reach out. Um, I actually on my website have a financial literacy quiz so you can see, you know, where you are, uh, what you need to learn more about. And then you can go right to the blog and get all the resources and material you need to kind of fill in the gaps. I love it. I love it. Listen, thank you so much um, for not just the tips, but your honesty and openness about your own experience with financial abuse, um, which I think really gives us the window into the reality that this can happen to anybody at any stage. And so there's no shame. It's all about getting the right information, getting the right help and resources. And that's what we serve um, and try to do here through having these conversations. And so thank you very much for sharing that. Certainly, you know, make sure to check out Tiffany on all the platforms as, as she's referenced, but check out the podcast specifically Money Talk with Tiff um, for more. So thank you so much, Tiffany, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.